is there anybody in the building glad he called you out? Are you free today? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord. I hear I hear God calling names. I hear him calling your name. Come out of sickness, come out of depression, come out of poverty, come out of insecurity, come out of a place of hiding. He's calling your name. If you were here on Tuesday night for our annual Thanksgiving blessing service, you'll know we had an incredible night. And God just spoke to us that I was supposed to release prayer clause. I haven't done this in over 30 years. And it's not fluky and crazy. The book of Acts says that Paul sent handkerchiefs to various places. He prayed over them, sent handkerchiefs to places. People received miracles healings, breakthroughs, deliverances because of a point of contact. One of the things we do here at the Gate Church every Sunday morning, you may notice, maybe maybe you've only been coming a few weeks or maybe you've been here for a couple of years. I just like to reestablish culture continually in the life of our house. We really don't pray just for religious duty. We really pray because we believe God hears us. We don't believe we're praying into thin air. We believe we're praying to somebody. And that when we pray, he hears us. And the Bible says he grants the petition that we ask of him. And we pray according to his will. We believe it's the will of God for your life to be changed. We believe it's the will of God for you to be healed. We believe it's the will of God for you to live with joy. And to live in peace. For your family to live in well-being. We believe it's the will of God for you to prosper, to have a job, a good-paying job. I had less amens. A good-paying jobs. For you to be able to provide for your needs and create a legacy for your children. And so every Sunday, we, we take time to have prayer teams come to the front. And the reason they come, and listen to me closely, the reason they come is because we just want to agree. We make it a part of our worship expression because we don't believe you should have to wait to the end of the service to be prayed for. If you're sick, why not get healed right in the beginning? If you're heavy-hearted, why not get all that off of you right from the get-go? Just say, I want that off me. I'm in the presence of God. I need that stuff off me. I don't need that on my life today. I need to worship. We set pastors on these front rows intentionally because we don't want you to even have to wait for somebody to give an invitation. Anytime worship starts, these altars are open for you to come. You see people down here worshiping because they're open for people to come worship. But they're also open for you to come pray. At any point in time, you don't have to wait till the prayer teams come. But at any point in time, you can come and say, I need prayer. I need, I need somebody to agree with me. If you didn't get one of these on Tuesday night, there's a few of them left. We can just make them a point of contact for you. But here's what the book of James says. Listen to me closely. The book of James says, is there any suffering or afflicted? Let them pray. Anybody marry? Let them sing. Is there anybody sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil and pray over them. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. 
The Bible says the woman with the issue of blood, she had to press her way through the crowd and get to Jesus. Can I suggest to you today that maybe some people are not getting the healing they're asking for because they're not calling? Maybe they're never coming to be prayed for. Maybe you say, well, you know, I can just pray myself. I pray at home. I don't need to go down and get prayed for. And it may be that what's keeping your healing from happening is your pride more than it is your sickness. Because altars for prayer are not a sign of who's spiritual and who's not. You don't have to be the, a great Christian to come down here and be prayed for. You just have to have a heart to say, Jesus, I want you to touch my life. Our prayer teams are coming. They're, they're going to gather across the front and all across this room today. Just know that every service, every time we get together, people are going to be here to pray for people because we believe God answers prayer. Is there anybody in the building know what I'm talking about? Let, let, let me tell you, there's a testimony standing right here. Miss Betty, would you raise your hand? Miss Betty, the doctors had told her she was in her, 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 losing her eyesight. She was going blind. This past week, we got a great report. The doctor said that is not true. Her eyesight... It's going to be fine. In the first service, we had a man being told that he was losing his eyesight and that he would have to give up his job. He was going to have to give up his job because he's a truck driver. He went to the doctor this week and the doctor said to him, you don't have to lose your profession because you're not losing your eyesight. Your eyesight is better than it was when you started. Why? Because God answers prayer. I'm telling you, I hear him today calling people out. So if you're in the audience, we're going to worship. If you want prayer, you just make your way down. The ushers appoint you to one of our prayer teams. Come on, let's worship. Nobody else is worthy but you. 
say all of the glory, all of the glory belongs to you. Yes, Father, we ascribe glory to your name this morning. All of the glory, all of the glory belongs to you. Nobody deserves it but you, Lord. All of the glory belongs to you. Yes, Lord, say all of the glory. Why say you deserve it? All of our worship, oh Lord, and all of our praise, you deserve it. So we give it all over to you, Jesus. You deserve it. Yes, God, from the bottom of our hearts. From the depths of our souls we say you Oh, so we say Hallelujah 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 We cry all the glory All the honor And all the praise You deserve Yes, God, we give you all of our affection you deserve it. Come on with everything on the inside of you. Oh, so we say, Hallelujah! 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 When I think of the goodness of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done all that he's done for me my soul cries my soul cries my soul cries my soul cries because you've been so faithful because you've been so good you've been so merciful your truth endures your mercy endures forever hallelujah We lay them at your feet, God. We give you all the glory, all the glory, all the glory. We say all the honor, all the honor, and all the praise. You deserve. Yes, you do, God. Just lift your voice and give God worship this morning. We give you worship, oh Lord. We give you worship, God. You worthy, Lord. You worthy, Lord. My hallelujah belongs. My hallelujah belongs to you. Yes, Lord. Say, my hallelujah belongs. My hallelujah belongs. Oh, 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 oh,
Father, when we don't know what to say, we release a cry of worship to you. Room this morning and say, Hallelujah. We give you glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Nobody like you, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Say, Hallelujah. Fill this room with your worship. 
fill this room with a sound this morning. Jesus, we bless you from the bottom of our hearts, from the depths of our souls. There is nobody worthy of glory. There is nobody more deserving of honor. We cast down our golden crowns before you. We bow in your presence. We humble ourselves before you. You're good. You're merciful. You're faithful. You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy. again today we're so thankful that you loved us first we're so grateful that you sent your son to die for us but he's not dead in a grave but he's alive and we have resurrection life because of it and Lord we surrender our our minds and our attitudes and our desires and our ambitions to you 
We submit to you our businesses and our jobs and our plans. And we ask you that you will do with those things that are according to your will. We trust in you because we know you love us. Lord, we put our hearts into your hands knowing that you are a good, good father. We bless you this day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. What a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you greet someone as you're seated today? Let them know how good it is to see them. Amen. I hope everyone had an excellent Thanksgiving. I know uh, in my household we had a good one. I think it makes a difference when you have good cooks. I'm just saying. Anybody else got any good cooks in the family? Like that's what you, you want them to cook Thanksgiving, right? Like every other meal, it's okay, but you better be cooking Thanksgiving. You're a good cook. Any sweet potato casserole people out there? Yeah, okay, dressing. Yeah, I, I get all excited again. It was just Thursday. I get all excited again. Well, if you are a first-time visitor, it's been a long time. We're so delighted you're here as our guest. It's such a privilege to have you. If you wouldn't mind, if you're a first-time uh, person that's been able to come and join us today, or maybe you are here with your family, or maybe it's just been a long time, would you mind slipping up your hand so that we can just celebrate you and say a big hello to you? Yeah, excellent. Thank you for being with us. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for being a part of this special time with us. Thank you very much. Now, at the end of our service, you'll have an opportunity to stop at one of our green rooms that are located on the right and left of our building, and you're going to want to stop by there. They have a special little treat for you that tastes good and calorie-free. There's not one in there because it's been blessed. It's been blessed, so, so we know the Lord takes out the calories after you bless it. That's what I've always thought. I'm just kidding. But we want you to stop by, pick up your gift. You may even have received a card from us today just to fill out some information where we can just let you know how good it was to have you in service. We don't want anything from you. We just want to get something to you. And if you don't have one of those cards, you can find one in the back seat of your pew right now, and you'll have an opportunity to fill it out. And you can drop it in the offering bucket today. Well, let's welcome all of our visitors one more time and thank them for being with us. Well, it's offering time. Are you ready to give? Amen. We are so delighted that we get the opportunity to give at the Gate Church. Like Bishop said, I was so blessed this week when we found out in the first service about what a, a wonderful couple in our congregation that were recently married a few years ago, and, and he fell into an illness that he wasn't sure how things were going to happen, and God just supernaturally healed his body this week. You know, our blessing service was just five days ago, but God keeps making a way for people. I can't tell you the testimony after testimony already from people who have just seen uncommon things in the last five or six days. People that have received checks in the mail and promotions on their job the week of Thanksgiving or they were believing God for a job and God gave them one. So it's amazing what God can do. And how many of you know that giving has nothing to do with money? It has everything to do with trust. Who do you trust more? That's, that's the question of giving. It doesn't matter what you're giving. It just matters whether or not you trust God. And I, I know that in my husband and I's life, we've had lean times and abundant times, but I have never let those times determine my trust in him. 
Whether I had more than enough or not enough, I never let that be the meter for whether or not I trust God. Because there is only one who is worthy of the praise. We just sang it. There's only one who is trustworthy, and his name's Jesus, and he's never let us down. And I want you to know he's not going to let you down. So when you give today, think through and say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I'm giving not out of necessity, not because somebody has to get something to me, not because I need you to be Santa Claus to me or my children or my, my family. It's because, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. And when you do that, I know God will make a way for you as he always had for us. There's multiple ways for you to give. You'll see them on the back. You can give by kiosk. You can give by app. You can give by all sorts of text messaging. You can give by envelope. And we still accept cash. Isn't that amazing? We still accept cash. I don't think we accept Apple Pay, but we still accept cash. So if you'd like to give today, we'd love to have you as a part. If you receive an envelope, there are ushers throughout the, the aisles right now. If you need one, just slip your hand up. Well, are you ready to give this morning? Would you just stand with me one more time? Let's get ready to give unto the Lord. At the gate, we bring our offerings unto the Lord at the front. If you're unable to come all the way here, there'll be ushers throughout the aisles, and you can give your gift there as well. Why don't we just lift up our gift before the Lord, no matter which way you gave it today. Lord, we just thank you that we put our trust in you today. And we're thankful that when we trust you, your word says in Malachi 3 that you open up the windows of heaven and you pour out blessings that are so uncontainable and so rich and so glorious over our lives. So today, Lord, we thank you that you're a good God and that you have never let us down and that you will make a way where there seems to be no way. Now receive these gifts unto you. Lord, we thank you that these, these gifts are bringing forth blessings in our homes, on our businesses. We thank you for jobs. We thank you for better jobs, checks in the mail, increases on the job. We thank you for debt cancellation. We thank you for witty ideas and inventions coming to us. We thank you for health and strength in our families and the protection, the favor of God over us. Now receive these gifts because we put our trust in you. We know you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hi, my name is Pastor Jay Pike and uh, just want to greet you today. We're so excited about what's happening here at the Gate Church all the things that God's doing. I hope that you've been able to join us for some of our text to table. It's amazing how God is moving through us as a people and we're so excited about what he's doing. We're believing with you, the folks that join us online with your family for the same excitement, the same energy, the same activity, uh, the same power that God's releasing here to be active and moving in your lives. And I just want to encourage you today as you join us in worship, receiving the word, that you also join us in giving because we're believing with you for your family as you give today that God's blessing would overflow in your life. Just want to encourage you about that. There's a number of different ways that you can give. It's very simple, but I encourage you uh, to just join in this act of worship. And as you do, make sure you're doing it in faith, believing God uh, for what he has for you and your family this fall. We're so honored that you joined us today. We're believing God with you. And I just want to say the blessing of the Lord overflow to you and your family today as you worship him in your giving. God bless you.
Welcome to The Gate, and thank you so much for spending part of your weekend with us. My name is Victoria. And I'm Joe, and we're your hosts today. We'll be sharing some information for you in just a few moments. If you're new with us here today, we want you to feel at home and know that we're so glad to have you here. Church for us is more than just a Sunday service, but it's a community, a place where you can belong. One of the easiest ways that you can connect with us is by filling out one of our connection cards that you'll find in the seat back in front of you. Just fill it out during any time during the service, and at the end of the service, if you bring it to one of our green rooms, we have a special treat for you, just to tell you how much we appreciate you being with us today. The Christmas season is a very special time for us here at The Gate. There's always something happening for your entire family. That's right. Starting next week, Bishop will be kicking off his much-anticipated Christmas series. But it's not an ordinary Christmas series. Each week, we'll be taking a look at a few of the interesting stories leading up to the birth of Christ. Stories from the shepherds, the innkeepers, from Herod, and a unique perspective from the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These stories will be told directly from the mouths of the characters, so we'll know where they were, what they were thinking, and how they felt leading up to the birth of Jesus. This is a series that you want to be a part of, so make every effort to be here next week. There's a lot going on here at the gate, so let's take a few moments to share some things coming up for you and your family on this week's 411 Rundown. Are you looking for a fun family show to enjoy during the holiday season? I'll tell you about one happening right here at the gate. Plus, dates for the biggest conference in Oklahoma City are set. Find out when Affecting Destiny is going down. Affecting Destiny is our church's annual conference, and it just so happens to be the biggest conference of the year within our city. It's happening March 12th through 14th with special guests Darius Daniels, Jim Raley, David and Nicole Binion, plus much more. Online registration is now open. You are not going to want to miss this year's Affecting Destiny conference. Teenagers and young adults, Pastor Jordan and Pastor Holly want to formally invite you to the cave. Cave Junior High meets during our 11 a.m. service for all of our 5th graders to 8th graders. The cave for our high school students and young adults, that starts at 6 p.m. on Sunday nights, and we've always got something fun and crazy going on. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook to keep up to date with what's going on. To the Beats annual Christmas show is on Sunday, December 16th at 5 p.m. This year's theme is a few of my favorite things. You'll enjoy an evening with To the Beats performing arts as they sing, dance, and act to many of our favorite Christmas classics. Then, afterwards, Santa will be here to take pictures. And the best thing is, it's free! Bring the family for a night of fun. My name is Zach, and this has been your 411 Rundown. Well, there you have it for this week's 411, and that's just some of what you need to know. Everything happening here at The Gate can be found on any one of our social media pages, so be sure to follow to stay connected. And for other updates and past services, please download our app. We are so glad that you chose to worship with us today. Again, my name is Joe. And I'm Victoria. And remember, you belong to The Gate. Is it well with you? Well, we're delighted. How many of you got enough stuff for Thanksgiving to last you all week long? Just enough. I'm telling you, I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday of the year. I was out of the city twice, out of the country twice on Thanksgiving, once in Paris, 
I'll never go back to Paris again on Thanksgiving. I was preaching a crusade, and you should see them try to cook an American Thanksgiving dinner. That was terrible. But we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're honored you're here today. Thank you. Would you stand with me? I'm going to share some word with you today that I believe will be beneficial to your life. It's a great delight to see all of our guests here today. Thank you that on a holiday weekend, uh, you took time to be in church today. No place I'd rather be than in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. With God's people, I'm delighted that you're here. We had an amazing first service, and I believe God's going to touch people again in this second service today. I want to say to you that for the next, we really just believe. I don't believe it's just casual. It's not clickish. But Tuesday night at our blessing service, I really believe that we made a prophetic declaration that the next six weeks would be weeks of uncommon supernatural manifestations. This morning when I was in prayer, the Holy Spirit said to me, there have been people that have been waiting all year for answers that the next six weeks will be your delivery season. You've been pregnant with a promise and God's going to fulfill his word. Before, before December 31st at midnight, you are going to see what God promised you in this year. Somebody needs to give him praise today because it's coming to you. You say, I don't, I don't know if God can, uh, can do what I'm believing for in six weeks. If he can make the earth in six days, I believe he can take care of your problem. In fact, in the next six hours, it can all be taken care of. By this time tomorrow, it could all be gone. Hallelujah. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? So I really want you just to set your expectation at a different level and come ready for God to, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week, supernatural things are happening. We're getting testimonies in the middle of the week. I love that. So when God does it, just testify. Just tell somebody. He did it. Praise the Lord. Amen. I uh, also want to make sure that for the de month of December, all of our messages are going to be accompanied with a dramatic monologue presentation at the beginning of the message. We're doing something with characters that normally are not talked about at Christmas time that I believe have a strategic message to us. Starting next Sunday, you'll have invite cards. I want you to use them every week. We're going to give them out every week because there's no time like Christmas time for people to come to Jesus. In fact, statistics show, I shared this with our leadership, statistics show that now more people attend church at Christmas than at Easter in America. So it's a great time for you to invite friends and family that need Jesus all the way up to, to Christmas Eve, we're going to be having a great time. That's going to, things that are going to be happening for people's lives. I want to share with you today a message. I'm going to pray for my wife as I do. Please continue to pray for Pastor Kathy. She's apparently pinched a nerve in her back and is in a lot of intense pain. It's great to see Pastor Cece here today. She's had surgery, but we're believing for full recovery in her body too in Jesus' name. We, um, we just, I, I want to share with you today a principle that changed my life. I don't know anything that has changed my life and ministry any more than what I'm going to share with you today. For me, it's not a teaching. It's a way of life. It's a part of the DNA of who I am. I believe it's a part of the DNA of the kingdom. And so we want, we're going to look at it. I'm going to read three scriptures. They're going to put them on the screen behind me real quickly. 
and from there we will get started. If you'll have your Bibles, I'm going to read from Romans 12, verse number 10, but I'm going to read from Romans 13 and 7 and Matthew 16, 18 and 19. But if you'll follow me along for the sake of time, I'm not going to turn to each one of them. Romans chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 12, verse number 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 13, verse number 7, says, Render therefore to all their due. To whom taxes is due, pay your taxes. To whom customs is due, give custom. To whom fear belongs, give them fear. Or that literally means respect. But the end of it is, to whom honor is due, give them honor. Matthew 16, verse number 18 and 19, Jesus said to Peter, that upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's the key. And I give you the keys. Somebody say keys. How many of you know keys are the ability to access something? I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven talks about an atmosphere. The New Testament talks about two things, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. They're synonyms. Heaven tells you the environment. The kingdom of God tells you who, who owns it and who sets it. So how many of you recognize that there is an atmosphere where the king rules? And he says, I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you the privilege of access. I'm giving you the ability to, to go into and live in the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. My assignment today is this. I'd like to speak for the next few minutes on this topic. Learning to bestow honor. I want to talk about a culture of honor. Everybody shout honor. Holy Spirit, I pray in the next few minutes you'll fill this room with a spiritual understanding of a principle that forever shapes our lives. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, you're the teacher, and I invite you to come. Minister directly to this congregation today. Let the name of the Lord be magnified. Lord, I pray today that we would put away from us all of our presumptuous thoughts about what you're trying to say to us and have an open heart to receive revelation so that our lives would be transformed and changed. I thank you for that today, and to that end, I make myself available in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. amen. High five three people and tell them bestowing honor on others is our culture. Come on, just tell them. I want to quickly talk about developing and living in a culture of honor. Let me give a, can I give a precursor? Uh, maybe, uh, let me make some conditions on what we're going to talk about. Before you think you know what I'm going to talk about, will you give me permission to talk about what I'm going to talk about? <laughs> and then you can find out if I talked about what you thought I was going to talk about. Is that okay? Every time you talk about culture, culture is important because culture sets the stage for everything. Everybody in this room, you have a culture in your home. Your house is not like your neighbor's house. There are certain things you do the way that they do it at your house. I remember when my kids were growing up, I said to them, they'd say to me, well, my friends don't do it that way. And I said, the only problem is they're not Millers. Come on, in the Miller house, this is how we do it. Certain things when I grew up, I knew were part of our culture. It's just the way we did it. It's not good or bad. It's just the way we did it. 
There are bad cultures because they're toxic. There are cultures that, are, that cause negative things to happen in your life. But culture is something you do without thinking about it. When you have bad culture, it takes a lot of effort to break it because culture comes by habit. It comes by routine. It's a part of who you are. For example, let me give you an illustration. When you pull out of the parking lot today, no matter which direction you're going, when you leave here, when your automobile, you will pull out and get in the right-hand lane because that's the culture of America. We drive on the right-hand side of the road. If you would have been raised and born in Britain, in London, you'd have had to think about it because by culture and by routine, you drive on the left-hand side of the road. Now, we know they're weird, but come on, somebody help me. I'm just kidding. For all my British friends that are watching, I know you are. I love you in Jesus' name. But why do we do that? We don't think about it. That's why you can talk on your phone. You can actually be reaching something in your purse and still get in the right-hand lane. Why? Because you do it without having to think about it. There are certain cultures that are a part of the kingdom that God wants them to be a part of your DNA so that you don't have to think about it. It's natural. It flows out of who you are. It flows out of how you conduct your life. And one of the things that, that honor is, is that, watch this, honor by, by definition comes from a word that literally means to repay or return worth, to repay or return worth. Literally, honor means that you, that you do this. Let me put it in very layman's terms. Honor is recognizing somebody for who they are without tripping over who they're not. Let me try that over here. Honor is when you recognize somebody for who they are without tripping over who they're not. In other words, you don't have to be perfect to be honored. You honor somebody. Watch this. When we honor other people, we honor them because they bear the image of God. The image of God is on every human being. It may be marred. That's what sin does. Sin mars the image. But how many of you know they were born in the image and likeness of God? So when we see people, I don't see them for what they have been or done or where they've been. I see them for who God makes them to be. Paul said it this way. Am I doing okay? Can I keep going? Paul said it this way in the New Testament. He said, we are going to live, people that live in the kingdom, live in such a way that they no longer see any man or woman after the flesh. In other words, I don't know you by what you've done. I know you by who you are. Because if I only know you by the flesh, watch this. If I know you by the flesh, your outward stuff, then your personality can get me hung up and I can miss receiving who you really are. Because if I don't like how you dress, I don't like how you talk, I don't like what you wear, I don't like the color of your skin, I don't like the neighborhood you came from, if I get all that stuff mixed up in what's going on, I'll miss the blessing that you could be to my life. Because I'll know you after the flesh and not after the spirit. Now, I want to tell you something. Everybody in the room has flesh. I didn't have amens because some of you are not wanting to admit something today. Come on. How many of you know, if we walk around with you 24 hours a day, we're going to find out everybody in the room got some flesh going on somewhere. Come on. There have been some time you hollered your children this week. You didn't want them to put it on, on the Facebook. You know what I'm talking about. There are some things you said at work. There's some things you said at Thanksgiving you ain't want nobody to know you said. Huh? 
when you went away and said, that corn pudding ain't good. I don't care who made it. That's terrible. So what I'm saying is this, is that God has an, a culture, and there's a certain culture that matches the kingdom. Let me just give it to you quickly. First of all, culture honors the culture of heaven. Revelation chapter 4, verse number 11 says this. It says that 24-7, 365 days a year, throughout eternity, all of heaven sings, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive three things, glory, honor, and power. Because all things were made by you and all things were made for you. So therefore, watch this, heaven continually says, you're worthy of honor. You're worthy of honor. It's the atmosphere in which God dwells and lives. How many of you know that when we worship in this building, we literally join with heaven's choir? We join heaven's course. I'm not going to unpack this, but there are times if you're in this building, you'll sense that there's more people singing than are actually in the room. And that's because God allows us to break into heaven and we join with the heavenly choir and we begin to realize that we're giving honor and glory. We are ascribing to his name the glory due him. How many of you know that when we worship, angels begin to be active in the midst of us because we're giving honor to the one whom there is worthy of honor? Malachi chapter 1, Malachi said this in verse number 6. Malachi chapter 1, verse number 6. He said to the people of God, you call me a father. You say I'm your father. If I am your father, then where is my honor? In other words, you can't call me something and not demonstrate what you say I am. If I'm the father of your life, if you believe that I am your heavenly father, then where is my honor? Because your life should be a demonstration of what you say you believe. Second of all, how many of you know that not only is honor the culture of heaven, God intended for honor to be the culture of earth. He actually makes a bold statement when he gives the order of how society was to conduct itself. If you remember when they came out of Egypt, they had the first real congregation. It was called the church in the wilderness. It was the nation of Israel that became a representation of all that God's people were supposed to be. In other words, you and I today are a continuation of that church that began in the wilderness. And when God called them out of Egypt, he gave them a set of standards or a set of protocols for how his kingdom people would act. He said this. He said, people that are in my kingdom, they don't bear false witness. In other words, they don't lie on other people. Come on, somebody help me. We commonly call them the Ten Commandments. The people that are in my kingdom, they don't have, they don't have idols in their life before me, other gods in front of me. The people that are in my kingdom, they don't cheat on their marriage. I'm not feeling no love right now. I need to keep going. The people that are in my kingdom, they don't steal. You could leave your purse set on the, on the picnic table and go away for three days and it would still be there if it was just my kingdom people around because my kingdom people don't steal. But he makes this statement. In fact, it's the commandment that he gives that it's the only commandment he gives with a promise. He says this, honor your father and your mother. It is a command with a promise. It's the only one of the commandments, the Ten Commandments. God used all of them to set the protocol and the culture for the kingdom. But he said this. He didn't tell you that if you don't steal, I promise you'll prosper. 
He didn't say, if you don't commit adultery, I promise you'll have a good marriage. He didn't make any of those promises. But here's what he did say. If you will honor your father and your mother, he said, there's two things that I promise you. Number one, it will go well with you. Number two, your days will be long upon the earth. Your days will be long upon the earth. I remember laying in, a, in an intensive care unit in 2008 when I was fighting for my life and doctors had looked at my wife and told them I'd never been a sick, sick a day in my life and through a, a small procedure in a hospital, I became uh, infected and I ended up with sepsis and my white blood kills count, for those of you that are in the medical profession, my white blood kills counts was over 22,000 and rising. My blood pressure was 50, 59 over 27 when they finally got, reached me to the hospital. And I remember on a ventilator, I was in an unconscious state, but I was conscious of what went on in my room because how many of you know your spirit never gets sick? I ain't got no help. Your spirit doesn't die. Your spirit can still hear. And I could hear activity going on. I'm sitting there saying, God, am I going to live or am I going to die? I had no fear of dying because I had a promise. And I heard the Lord say to me one day, he said, you, this sickness shall not last because I made you a promise. You've honored your mother and your father. Your days will be long upon the earth. So I recognized at that point in time, my honor that I showed for my parents. Now watch this. He doesn't say honor the good ones. He doesn't say honor the parents that treated you well. He says you honor your mother and your father. The reason you honor them is a couple of reasons. First of all, they were the avenue God used to get you in the earth. There's no other way you'd have got here if you hadn't had a mom and a daddy. Come on, somebody. They may not have wanted you, but God intended you to be here. So he used them to get you here. So you honor the avenue God used to get you into the earth. Your purpose and your plans could have never been brought to fruition. The plans that God has for your life couldn't have been brought to fruition had you not been given a mother and a dad. Second of all, the Bible was not written in a Western world. The Bible was written in an Eastern world. In other words, if you were to travel today in any place, if you'd have gone, if you'd go to India, if you'd go to the Middle East, if you'd go to the Far East, if you'd go anywhere in, the, in, in, in Asian countries, there is a huge respect for anybody that's older. There's a huge respect for anybody that's older. Why? The Bible teaches us that gray hair is a sign of wisdom. Now, we don't have any respect for, for gray hairs in our culture anymore. Come on, even the people that have gray hair don't respect gray hair. We lift it and tuck it. I ain't got no help. Come on, I'm not, I'm not talking about whether or not you color your hair. That doesn't make any difference to me, men or women. What I'm saying is this, is that the Bible teaches that there is a level of honor that's to be given to people that have reached certain stages of life because their wisdom becomes beneficial to us. But when culture continues to disengage between generations, we lose the benefit of that time of teaching and that wisdom that could be ours. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. You learn one of two ways. You can either learn by your own experiences or you can learn by somebody else's. If you learn by your own, it's much more expensive. I mean, you know, sometimes somebody's been where you've been, and if you're willing to listen. My daddy used to say to me when I was growing up, he said, if you can't learn, you'll feel. 
Because life will, life, I ain't got no help. I'm going to just keep moving. Come on. How many of you know, he said, honor your father and your mother. Why? Because, watch this, the way you treat them determines whether you live in honor or live in shame. And there was nothing worse in Jesus' day than to shame your parents. I remember when I was, when I was coming along, one of the things that I was so... In my, in my life, one of, the, one of the church mothers in our church came to me one day. I was a teenager. And she said to me, she said, Tony, you need to understand something. Your behavior is a reflection of your father. And I said, I loved my dad. And I re- recognized at that point in time, somebody needs to hear me today. Every time I acted a certain way, I reflected on who he was. And I didn't want to bring shame to my dad. So even, watch this, even when I didn't fear God, my love for my father kept me in a place of safety. Am I helping anybody? You say, well, I don't My dad, I didn't like him anyway. Listen, here, here's, what, here's what the Bible teaches. Hold on to your seat. Jesus talked to a group of religious people one day. And here's what he said to them. He talked to the Pharisees and he said, you have religious activity, but you don't have the heart of your father. But in reality, you are acting like your father. Because see, you don't want Gentiles to be a part of the kingdom. You treat prostitutes like they're property. You you, You treat tax collectors like they're disease. You don't honor the image of God on their life. Because you believe you're superior and better than they are. He said, so he, watch this, watch this. So Jesus says, by your actions, you're showing me who your father is. You're of your father, the devil. You claim God as your father, but you're acting like Satan is your daddy. Because your actions always are reflective of who you say your father is. I have, I have spiritual sons and daughters that God's been, I've been privileged to raise. And I'll never forget, I'll just be very public here. Jay, when Jay goes to travel, or he, he's, he's not a natural son, he's a spiritual son. When he travels, pastors will call me and say, I could shut my eyes and I believe you're standing in the platform. Or when he came into our house, he acts just like you do, Bishop. I said, it would, it would be a shame for him not to. If I'm his father in the faith, He ought to be reflective of who I've been in his life. Hmm? Because if he doesn't reflect that, then you want to find out who is it that's really fathering you. So in the kingdom, watch this. God says one of the ways you reflect who it is that fathers you is by your behavior. That's why, hold on to your seat. He goes further in family life. He says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7, he said, husbands... I want you to love your wives. Watch this. I want you to treat them as the weaker vessel and honor them so that your prayers will not be hindered. I want some men to listen to me. God ain't listening to you because of how you're treating her. I ain't hear no I hear no low amen. 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 Amen, Bishop. All the single men ought to say amen. You ain't even got a wife yet. You just, you just know she coming. Amen. 
I'm just reading the Bible. Please don't be upset with me. Here's what the Word said. The Word says that when you don't honor your wife, your prayers are hindered. You can't treat her as property and expect heaven to respond to you. I want to tell you something. When, when, when he said, I want you to treat her as the weaker vessel, he was not saying, I want you to treat her as if she's incapable. He literally, it's a picture there of, I want you to treat her like fine china. When God gave you and me, well, I'm not going to talk about me. I ain't going to talk about you no more because you're not even, you're not even wanting to pay attention. Uh, I'm going to talk about me. When God gave me Kathy Jane, she's not even here today, but when God gave me Kathy Jane, he didn't give me Tupperware. If you treat her like an everyday dish, guess what? You'll throw her around in the sink and won't think nothing of her. But if you recognize she's a fine piece of china, how many of you know you'll make sure she's clean? You'll make, oh, ain't got no help. You'll make sure she's dressed. You'll make sure she's visibly displayed. When she walks through the mall, I want every man in town to know that lady is not available to nobody because she got a man that honors her. And can't nobody treat her like I treat her. She ain't even here for me to get brownie points. Lord, let her see this in Jesus' name. Everybody shout honor. Because it's the culture of the kingdom. Watch this. He said, I give you the keys, the keys, the keys, the keys to unlock and access the realm where rule is made, where miracles take place, where supernatural manifestation takes place. Because watch this, earth, don't miss what I'm about to say, earth was meant to be a visible expression of an invisible reality. Heaven is invisible, earth is visible, but earth should look like heaven. Try that one more time. Where you live should look like where you're headed. And God doesn't have anything that he has for you that he won't give to you now. If, heaven, if, he, if he is what's going to make heaven for you, then guess what? You can have him now. His presence is available now because earth was meant to be an expression of heaven's reality. So that if I want to look around and find out what heaven's like, then I ought to be able to live with the people of God and say, this is what heaven's going to be like. Hallelujah. Because I'm an expression. Let your will be done where? On earth. How? As it is in heaven. In other words, let earthly experiences line up with heaven's realities. When you do that, you release the rule of God. You release the authority of God. Now, I'm going to take the next 10 minutes and tell you why miracles don't happen in some places and why they happen in other places with a lot more ease. Paul's instruction in Romans 13, he talks about people in authority. He's talking about power structures. He's saying all authority comes from God. Please listen to me. Don't get hung up in politics when I say this. All authority comes from God. There's nobody that is any, in any place of authority that God didn't allow them to get there because God uses good people and bad people to accomplish his purpose. 
In fact, Jeremiah said that God took something as wicked as Moab and he made it his wash pot so that he could clean up the people of God. So God will sometimes, I ain't got no help, but I'm going to preach. God will sometimes put people in your life over you who don't have the qualifications you have, who don't have the ability you have, who don't have the understanding you have, don't have the morals you have, but he'll let them be over you in your life to find out whether or not you truly have the spirit of the kingdom because how you respond to them is an indication of what kingdom you're a part of. And when God puts those kind of people in your life, he does it just to test the spirit of honor that's on you. So Paul says, when you find people that are in authority, render to them what's due. The word render is an interesting term. The word render is literally written in an imperative command tense. In other words, God's not suggesting it. He's commanding it. He's saying, I command you to give honor to whom honors due. If you're my people, then here are my commandments. Make sure you give honor to whom honors due. Now watch this. God never commands you and I to do something he doesn't empower us to do. You say, God, I could never honor them. By his grace, you can. Because if he can't give you the grace to do that, he can't give you the grace to make sure you don't commit adultery. He can't give you the grace to make sure you don't steal. His grace is sufficient for every part of your life, not just part of your life. So honor becomes the culture, watch this, that unlocks the rulership and the realm of God's power. You say, but Bishop, those people are not very kind. Watch this. He didn't say that they can take honor. It says we render honor. So you know what that means? That means honor is my standard. It has nothing to do with their behavior. I choose to honor. I choose to honor. I can't, I can't even think about how many times I've had to repent to people because I didn't honor who I was supposed to honor. You say, is that in the Bible? Even the apostle Paul, when he was getting ready to be taken into prison, he comes into a conflict with the magistrate and he fusses at him and says something very sarcastic. And when he was told, that's a man in authority. Paul the apostle went to him and said, I'm sorry, I didn't know who you were. If I'd have known who you were, I'd have held my peace. Because honor is the culture of the kingdom. I wouldn't have spoken to you in that way if I'd have known that you were in a position of authority. How many of you know we live in a culture today where authority is non-existent? I mean, where honor is non-existent. Because we live so individualistic, honor is not taught. I, re I, I remember, uh, can I give you an illustration? Where people just did things by, it was a part of our culture. If a school teacher called home to a parent, and said, we got trouble in the classroom. How many of you know, when, in, 35 years ago or 50 years ago when I was in school, parents wouldn't have been down there chewing a teacher out. <laughs> Little Junior would have got sat down at dinner and said, what's going on in the classroom? Why? Because that teacher's there as a person of authority. And if she tells you to write, then write. Even if you can't spell, just draw, scribble, do something. But today, that's not a part of our culture. 
I was just in Canada last week. Is Chris Clark, is Chris in here? I don't know if Chris is in here. Chris was with me when we went last week to uh, Canada. And we, we got to the, to the counter, and uh, we'd, we'd, had, we'd gotten delayed because of weather, had to spend the night, and got up the next morning to go to where I was speaking. And we got to the counter. Now, this is, this is Toronto. It's one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the world. Over 200 nations live in Toronto. We walked up to the counter, and the lady said to me, she said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Halifax. And she said, what part of Texas are you from? I said, excuse me? She said, I've heard that accent before. What part of Texas are you from? I said, ma'am, I'm not from Texas. She said, I know you live there sometime. When did you live there? I said, I'm not from Texas. I'm from what hold Texas up. If it wasn't for us, Texas would fall off into the Gulf of Mexico. And so she looked at Chris standing behind me, and she said, and is that young man traveling with you? Are you traveling with him? And, she, and then Chris goes to her, yes, ma'am. And she just stopped, put everything down. She goes, say that again. He said, yes, ma'am. She goes, my heart just melted. She said, I love that, yes, ma'am. She said, I hadn't heard that in Canada in 30 years. And so she, like 10 minutes for me to get my ticket because she kept talking, wanting to hear somebody talk that sounded like this from Texas. And she wanted to hear him say like 14 times, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. But how many of you know that was a day when that wouldn't even have been a thought? That had been, been culture. Anybody that was older than you, you'd have answered them that way. I still do it. I can't help it. I go to people today. I can't help it. If they say something to me, even if I think they're younger than me, it's yes, ma'am. No, sir. Why? Because it was a culture. It was a part of the way we lived. But when culture, watch this, when honor is gone, the rule of the kingdom is diminished. Miracles become less and less. I'm going to show you why. Am I doing Okay. Two things I want to show you. Numbers chapter 12. The Bible says that, I'm not, I don't have time to unpack all this. I've got to finish. Numbers chapter 12. Moses had been chosen as the ruler or the leader, not the ruler, the leader to bring the people out of Egypt. Now, how many of you know he was the most unlikely leader? He was actually a fugitive from justice. He was on Egypt's most wanted list. He was a murderer. So he was not necessarily the, the greatest man behavior-wise. He was running. And he, he came to be the leader and to lead them out of Egypt. But watch this. He had a sister and a brother. Do you realize Jochebed was his mother? Jochebed raised three children. Her one son becomes the leader of the church. Her daughter becomes the worship leader. And her son, Aaron, becomes the high priest all in one household, and you struggle with vacuuming. Come on, somebody. And so Moses becomes the leader, but watch this. The Bible says that, hold on to your seat, now it's about to get bumpy. The Bible says that Moses married a girl that Miriam and Aaron didn't like. The Bible says they didn't like her because she was, the Bible calls her Ethiopian. 
She was not from their culture. Her skin was darker than theirs. And they were frustrated. And because they were family, they believed it was okay to murmur about him. The Bible says they started murmuring about Moses. Hanging out with that old floozy again. I don't like her no way. I wish she'd never come to Thanksgiving. Bringing her Ethiopian self in here. Who does she think she is? And who does he think he is? What makes him God over all the rest of us? Can't the rest of us hear God just like he can? I mean, this is, this is in the Bible. You've got to read it. It's all in there. They said, who does he think he is? I can hear God as good as he can. I've got a relationship with God. God talks to me too. And the Bible says, watch this. The Bible says that God said to Moses, I heard Aaron and, Mer- and Miriam. I heard them. I heard them. Listen to me. Because murmuring is always a characteristic of dishonor. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Because murmuring is never against people. Murmuring is always against God. Every time you murmur, you're saying, God, you can't take care of me. When you murmur about your job, you're saying, God, you don't know how to give me the job I'm supposed to have. When you murmur about your house, Lord, you can't provide the place I'm supposed to live. I'm so frustrated with this house. I don't know what I'm going to do. And when every time you murmur, it's against God. It's dishonoring to God. And, they, and he said, I heard Aaron, I, I heard Aaron and Miriam, when they murmured about you, they are dishonoring me for who I put over their life. And God does something he only did a couple of times because in the entire Old Testament, there was three rooms to the tabernacle, outer court, inner court, most holy place. And God lived in the third room. That's where the presence of God was, over the mercy seat. But God, on this occasion, said, I'm coming out from the back room and I'm coming to the door. Go tell Aaron and Miriam to meet me at the door of the tabernacle. I want to talk to them. And Aaron and Miriam show up at the door of the tabernacle. And here's what God said to them. I heard you. I heard you. You think think that you can hear God as easy as Moses can. He said, I want you to know something, guys. I speak to you in dreams and visions. But I talk to him face to face. And how dare you murmur about who I made the overseer of this company of people. And then he said, I'm going to withdraw. Hold on, this is in the Bible. And the Bible says, and God withdrew his presence, the cloud, withdrew from Miriam and Aaron. And when he backed out of the cloud, when he backed up from them, the Bible says Miriam was white with leprosy. God said, you hung up over the color of her skin? You messed up because she didn't come from your neighborhood? Let me show you what I think about that. Leprosy was a sentence of death. And watch this. Because she became a leper, the whole congregation had to withdraw from her because leprosy is contagious. 
so is murmuring. But I ain't feeling no love in here today. I'm telling you why some miracles aren't happening in houses. We got spouses that don't even honor each other, and they go down to have devotions at night asking God to bless their house and wonder why nothing supernatural is happening. It's because the spirit of dishonor has released and held up what heaven, it's released a toxic spirit, and it's holding up what heaven has endeavored to give to you. We got people. I've never been so shocked in my life. Thank God it's not a part of the gate church as far as I know. I'm, I'm not preaching this because of anything that needs to be cleared up. I'm preaching it as a principle because I want you to enjoy the blessings of God. But I go to preach, preach at places where people murmur about their preacher all week long, come in and worship and believe somehow they're going to get a miracle at his altar. God said you got the spirit of death all over you and I can't even get to you. And it ain't because I'm not God. It's because your decisions to be dishonoring have put a blockage between me and you. And thank God Moses was a good leader. Because, see, a good leader recognizes that when somebody dishonors them, you don't have to get even. Revenge is not a way of life in the kingdom. Oh, I feel like preaching today. Revenge is not the way of the kingdom. So Moses said to God, God, please, don't kill her. Please don't kill her. And the Bible says that God spoke back to Moses and said, Moses, had she dishonored her father, he would have spit in her face and put her outside the camp for seven days. So she must be outside of the camp of the people of God for seven days. And then I'll heal her. The Bible says that they took Miriam and set her outside of the camp for seven days. Listen, dishonor will always separate you from the very things that you need. You can't dishonor your boss and keep believing God for promotion. I am helping somebody today. You want God to elevate you? Learn to release the spirit of honor. Because it's the culture of the kingdom. You say, I ain't a suck up to nobody. Well then, spend your life living outside the camp. Because if you think this is all about being a suck up, you've missed it. It's not about that at all. It's about the nature of the kingdom of God that lives on the inside of you. Jesus gave value to prostitutes and tax collectors. He gave value to people that were living in all kind of lifestyles that was contrary to his kingdom. He didn't come with a judgmental look down your nose attitude and fuss and complain about people. He came to put back onto them the value of the father that God had originated in them. He called out of them the image of God. One more. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has given the parables of the kingdom. And watch this. The Bible says, put, put it on the screen for me. Matthew 13, verse number 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. I know some of you wish that verse would become reality right now. Would you move on from there? Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogues, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and this miraculous power, they asked. In other words, they were just amazed at Jesus' power. Where did they get it? Verse 55. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this his mother's name Mary, his brothers and sisters James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? 
Are all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Notice. If you write in your Bible, you ought to underline that verse. And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without, what? Honor, except in his own town and in his own home. Look at verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Come on, team. Listen. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Honor is the seed to excess what's in anybody's life. If I want something that I believe somebody has in them that can help me, that is necessary for my growth, I access what's in them by the spirit of honor. Access is the, is the key that opens and releases what's in people. Hold on to your seat. Nazareth shut down the Son of God because of their dishonor. Please hear me today. I'm trying to help people get breakthroughs and miracles. Listen, you can never receive something supernatural from things you treat as common. You can never get something supernatural from things you treat as common. If you believe the Bible is just another book, you'll never get the life it brings. If you believe communion is just grape juice and a cracker, you'll never get the life it brings. If you believe that a Sunday morning is just another service that we do because we have religious activity, you'll never receive what God has ordained for you that morning. Because dishonor, the spirit of dishonor, shuts down the miraculous power of God. Come on, worship team. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 31. Watch this. Put that on the screen for me. Matthew 10, excuse me, excuse me verse 41. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet, notice that, whoever welcomes a prophet as a what? In other words, for what he is, will receive the prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Come, come here, come here, guys, come here. Ashley and Crescenda, there's like this whole worship team. There's incredible giftedness in those people. There's an anointing on their life. When God set them up as part of our worship team, these other, these other people are on this platform. They're not on this platform randomly. They're here because they were chosen to be here. So by, by being here to lead worship, they're there under authority. Am I doing okay? They're under authority. But if I come in the building and I sit back here and go, I don't know about Ashley. I don't know. I don't like the way he sings. I don't like them songs. Crescendo. 
I know her. I know her husband, Daniel. He's just a, they're just in the construction business. I know them. And I treat them as familiar. Well, I just saw Ashley in the cafe 10 minutes ago. I know he ain't working miracles. He was drinking a latte. <laughs> then guess what? It does not matter how much deposit of supernatural anointings in them. It's not going to reach you where you are. Because unless you receive a person for what they are, you don't get the reward of what they can bring. In other words, you do not get the benefit of what a person is until you receive them for who they are. I've had pastors tell me, Bishop, I can't, I can't get a breakthrough in my house, and I go there and preach, and I watch how that house treats him. They treat him like a fishing buddy. And I looked, at, I looked at a church not long ago that God sent me to, to help. That's because of part of my apostolic uh, call on my life. I went there and I said, you want to know why this church ain't going to break through? It's got 50 people, had 50 people for 10 years, and it'll have 50 people 10 years from now. And the reason is because y'all want a fishing buddy. You don't want a man of God. And when you're dying, a fishing buddy can't help you. You need a word from God. And when you treat him as common and ordinary and you let him be so familiar to you that you can't draw anything from him, he stands up and preaches and prays all week long. And when he gets up and speaks, you think, well, that's just Tom. That's just Tom. That's just Tom. No, it's not. If you really believe he's the man that God puts you under, you better hear him as a voice from God. Because when that happens, you release everything that's in him. And that anointing that's in him begins to flow over the life of that church. I am preaching good. Same way with worship people. Same way with any person that comes through the doors. See, here's the problem at Nazareth. What do you do when God shows up and he doesn't look like God? I was in my closet getting dressed this morning. I just felt I'm going to wear a hoodie. And I felt something inside. It's probably the part of who I am. I felt, you know what? If I wear a suit, they'd respect me more. But they better not respect me for my clothes. Because my clothes can't help them. I could have wore a suit and tie and a vest today. And that can't bring you back to life if you did. And it can't break drug addiction off of you if you're bound. And it can't make cancers disappear. But what's inside of this vessel? Come on, somebody needs to hear me. If you draw on that anointing, it'll set at liberty them that are bound. It'll open prison doors. Come on, stand with me. Listen, listen. I want to tell you where I learned this. See, God had to teach this to me. He had to teach it to me. I didn't get it by, I was raised in a home that honored the house of God. But I didn't, I didn't learn it personally. Till I want to tell you what has happened. I was preaching in South America. I started preaching, traveling to nations in 85. By 1990, I was preaching in stadiums that had 70 and 80,000 people a night. 
And I'd been to a crusade in South America, and we'd been there and had incredible breakthroughs in South America all over the continent. And I went to this city, and nothing was happening. They were the craziest people that were my guests. And I spent, I said that on purpose. I spent the first two days in my hotel room. I didn't even eat. I fasted. I prayed. Because I knew God wanted miracles to happen. Hundreds and thousands of people to come to Jesus. And there was nothing going on. I mean, I prayed for a bunch of people, but nothing happened. Because I mean, you know, you can lay empty hands on empty heads and leave with an empty life. And I went back to my hotel room on the third day and I said, God, I've fasted, I've prayed, something's wrong. And God said to me, Tony, all of your fasting and all your praying cannot get over your dishonor. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you've treated these nationals that invited you as if they were ignorant and unlearned men. And you've come as the American to teach them how to do it. He said, but they are my represented authority in this nation. You have more resource. You have more ability. You have more capacity. You have more understanding. You got more at your disposal than they do. But I don't tell you to honor people who have more than you. I tell you to have honor for people who are over you. And in this country, they're over you. And until you repent of your dishonor for them, I can't do miracles in the middle of this, this crusade. I got on my face and I spent the afternoon. I said, God, forgive me. I, I declare to you, I don't want to dis... That's not my nature normally. I said, God, I don't want to dishonor anybody. I don't want to act superior. I don't want to act as if I'm high and mighty. I, I want to show honor to everybody here. And I just spent time honoring those people. And God sent a breakthrough in that crusade till on the fourth night of that crusade, the fifth night of that crusade, a baby that had been dead for four days came back to life and God resurrected a child that today bears my name who's almost 20 years of age living in South America. You say, how did that happen? Because honor is the culture of the kingdom. And when you show honor and I show honor, we release God's best into our life. I'm going to pray today. There are people in this room today, you say, Bishop, I'm struggling, man. You're talking to me about honoring people done me wrong see most of us don't struggle with honor this way we don't think but the reality is there's a whole lot of difference between giving lip service and giving honor because see I want to declare there are probably people in this room this morning when I prayed early he said I want you to pray for people who have not honored me in their life their lifestyle's not been reflective of who they say is their father. They haven't honored me with their time. I'm an afterthought in everything they do. They haven't honored me with their gifts. They haven't honored me with their treasures. But I believe today, God, 
wants to restore a culture of honor into our lives. I believe this house, I'm grateful for this house. Kathy and I commented on Thanksgiving Day. We're so blessed to lead the gate church. But I want to tell you something. When I prayed, the Holy Spirit said there are families that are shut down because they have no honor in their homes. There's no honor of God in their house. So honor has to not only go this way, but honor has to go this way. I've just about cut my television off because the spirit of dishonor is so bad in our nation. And I'm not talking about one side. I'm talking about every side. Every side is living with dishonor. Social media. I watch Christians who tell other people off on social media and then want to praise the Lord. Where is the honor? I want to pray today. It doesn't matter to me which place or where it's at. I know God sent me this platform today. He said, Bishop, that's a, it's a tough word to swallow. I wouldn't preach something I didn't believe God gave us the grace to live. I don't believe God ever lets anybody be abusive and he doesn't get vengeance. You may have been mistreated and maligned, but I can tell you one thing. Whether it was a father, a mother, a boss, an overseer, a pastor, you don't want God's vengeance. That's worse than your revenge. But I want to pray for you because I want miracles. Six weeks of breakthroughs. All over this room today, if you say, Bishop, that's me. I want a restored culture of honor in my life. I want to live with honor. I want to demonstrate honor. I want to show honor. I want to honor God and I want to honor people. I recognize today I need to repent and say, God, forgive me where I didn't honor you. I didn't honor my wife, my husband, my parents, people in authority. I want the spirit of honor to be on my life. I'm telling you, it's why miracles are held up. It releases a Jezebel spirit. I'll talk about that later. But I'm believing honors come into your house today. If you're here and you say, Bishop, that's me. I want that on my life again. I get to three. Just lift your hand high. I'm just going to pray for you. One, two, three. Wherever you're at, just put your hand up. Father, today in Jesus' name, I pray over brothers and sisters all over this room. Lord, I pray for men and women that your spirit is speaking to them, that this is to be their day and time of honor. I pray that you'll restore to us a culture of honor, a heart of honor. Lord, don't let us just be compliant. Teach us how to be submitted and how to honor you. Lord, I pray for husbands that hadn't been honoring their wives. I ask you today that you'd give them the grace to know how to see the fine china that you gave them.
Pray today for children to honor their parents, workers to honor their boss, citizens to honor their leaders, church people to honor their leaders, leaders to honor the people that they serve with. Forgive us for our high-mindedness. Forgive us for our judgment. Forgive us where we withheld from people what was due them because we judged them unworthy. And I ask you to give us the grace today to honor and be reflective of who's our Father. Bless this church. Bless families. Six weeks of breakthroughs. And I praise your name for it. I praise your name for it. In Jesus' name. Would you lift both hands? May the Lord bless you. And may he keep you. And may he lift his countenance upon you. And may he shine his grace and favor on you in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Hallelujah. Our prayer teams will be here at the front. Our worship team is going to sing softly. If you didn't get prayer in the middle of the service and you want it today, they're here. You're going to have a wonderful week. I'm praying for you this week. I can't wait to see you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. You're free to go.